This podcast is brought to you by CATV, building community in the Upper Valley through media. Welcome to another episode of the Intersections podcast with your host, myself, Michelle. This podcast is intended to promote different voices from the Upper Valley, sharing their experience of community and providing a forum for each participant to be heard without comment or judgment. Our guest today will remain anonymous and we invite you, listener, to simply listen. So welcome to Intersections. I'd like to get started by asking you a question, which is if you can share your personal vision of what community is to you. You know, the thing that comes to mind is a few years ago, a friend of mine had a sudden death in her family, and I had been spending a lot of time with her in her garden, and I knew that she had so many tomatoes on her porch and that she was going to have to leave town and these tomatoes were going to rot. And I just went over to her house and I took the tomatoes into her kitchen and started roasting them. And another friend showed up. So that's, you know, when I think about community and what I want it to be, I want that kind of thing. And um, to be honest, it doesn't happen very often. Mm. I live pretty far away from most of my friends. It's like a 25, 30 minute drive at least. And, you know, thankfully, my friends don't have people die in their families every day. So that's good. I'm curious about what you're talking about in terms of grief as a, a point for community to mm. come together. Is there anything you would want to share about your experience that has shaped your vision? I think, I think grief is common ground, right? We don't acknowledge this very much, but we're all going to lose everything, every single one of us came here to live in a mortal body and to love people who are going to die. I don't think we look at that enough. And I guess that's what I'll say about grief is that it's it's common ground. It's like the most basic common ground you can get. And I think it's so worth looking at and spending time with and not turning away from which sort of makes me think of another story about a friend of mine who was diagnosed with prostate cancer. We were in the park, and I was getting ready to meet some people, and he, and he came up to me and announced that he'd been diagnosed with cancer, and then he just kind of went away, and I thought, oh my God. And it was the first time that somebody I knew had been diagnosed with something really, really awful, and I, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to turn away from this. I was one of the people who actually was allowed to spend time with him in the last couple of weeks of his life. And it meant so much to me to be allowed to be there. You know, he died at home with people he loved around him. Not very many. He didn't, he didn't want a lot of company at the very end. When I was a kid, there was this kind of train wreck in my childhood, in my, like, sort of the first half of my childhood where I went to three different schools in the course of four years, and in the middle of that, my family blew up in this really dramatic way. And I remember being in therapy for this, you know, years later. And there's a story that Mr. Rogers tells about, you know, when something bad happens, you should look for the helpers. Where are those people? There were not helpers in this mess that happened to my family. And I remember spending like an hour behind the chair in my therapist's office, <laughs> not speaking because I was so angry. And I, it came time to leave, and I, I wrote the check, and I gave it to her. And she said, would you, would you just say one thing? Would you say anything? 
And I think at the beginning of the hour, I had mentioned this story about Mr. Rogers and looking for the helpers, and I just said, where were those people? I think it's not an uncommon story, unfortunately. I think this happens to a lot of people. I think this is why if you look in people's past who are addicted to drugs or who commit suicide, you'll find something like this, and it'll be that nobody speaks about it in their family. It's like the anti-community, right? I think when that sort of thing happens, you get really good at making friends, or you get really good at being alone. And I got very good at being alone. And I was super, super lonely for most of my adult life. At some point, one of my teachers said to me that at some point in your life, you have to stop looking for a place to be accepted. You have to stop looking for a place to belong. And you have to turn around and face the world and offer it that welcome that you didn't get. And I think about that a lot. I think about how can I do that right now? It's been so hard the last couple of years. Can I ask you a, a question of about course. your... Yes. More, well, specifically um, in the Upper Valley, how, mm. do, how do you experience community here? So I've lived here for almost 23 years. I've lived in the same neighborhood, and it took a very, very long time to get to know people in the neighborhood. And I don't know if that's a, you know, a modern world thing or a New England thing or some combination, but I do at this point know my neighbors. And it's been really, really sweet. We're not all up in each other's business. But like one time I hurt my finger really badly while I was pruning some bushes and my husband wasn't home. And I just, I walked to my neighbor's house. <laughs> I walked right in their front door and, um, and they were all sitting in a pile on the living room floor. They had just done a 10-mile bike ride. <laughs> but they, they got up, and she, you know, she had been a nurse at some point. And they got up, and they got the first aid kit, and they bandaged my finger for me. And um, another time, our road washed out, and there's one house above ours on the road, above where it washed out. And I walked up there to ask to ask if she needed to go anywhere and to tell her that I would drive her if she needed to. So it's it's small and it's not it's not an everyday thing. We're not super involved in each other's lives, but I feel like there's some friendliness and goodwill and trust there. And do you have any particular approach yourself to building community? I don't know. I you know, you're asking me that and I'm thinking about I keep a meadow next to my house, and I love it. And I get so sad every year when they cut it down, even though you have to cut it down, otherwise it'll be a forest. And a friend of mine said to me, you can't eat a meadow, which, first of all, is not really true. There's so many things you can eat in that meadow, and I do. (laughs) Um, But also, even if that were not true, I don't eat the meadow, but other things do, and I think it's good to, to look beyond humans you know, I think community is, is like a circle of care and responsibility that's as big as you allow it to be. And it's good to include non-humans in that circle. It's good to include porcupines and, you know, and cockroaches and blue jays and trees. I have, I have trees that I say hello to when I go for my walk. I go for a walk every day. And if I'm having a really bad day, 
I say hello out loud to everything. <laughs> like, I'll say hello to my neighbor's mailboxes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's as big as you can stand for it to be. And I say as big as you can stand because I think getting back to what you said about grief, you're going to get your heart broken. The more you widen that circle, the more people you try to include, you know, even try to include, because some people won't be included. <laughs> and I've been one of those people. <laughs> you know, they're going to die of cancer and they're going to go through things that you can't save them from. They're going to get pissed off at you for some reason that you never anticipated. See, I think you do have to practice getting your heart broken. <laughs> Well, that actually segues into my next question really well, because it sounds like you have a very inclusive vision of community. I'm wondering if you have ever had an experience where you felt a sense of exclusion in the Upper Valley, and if yes, what, what were the circumstances? I'm sure that I have, because I used to be so, so sensitive to being excluded. But it's been a long time. These last couple of years, it's just been so hard for me to take anything personally. You know, the pandemic is, it's a common ground, right? And you know that everybody is getting squeezed really hard in exactly the places where they can't stand to be squeezed, because that's where things squeeze you. <laughs> and so I just have been working so hard to cut people a lot of slack. I guess I will say this summer when everybody had just gotten vaccinated and they were all running around trying to see their family or whatever or just get back to normal in, in that two-week period. <laughs> it, it did feel like, like I had plans with people and they just dropped them. They just, they just totally forgot about me and it really, really hurt. And how did you respond? Well, you know, again, I cut them a lot of slack, and I didn't, I don't think I said anything to any of these people, but I did have to go find, like, a professional to talk to, because <laughs> I was so messed up about it, because I got squeezed in that place that I couldn't stand to be squeezed. Somebody that I had spoken to a few times during the early pandemic, and she's a, a grief companion, and she had gone on a sabbatical wisely, I think, because her mother had died. But I wrote to her, and I said, you know, if you know anybody who would be good to talk to, I could really, I could use some help pulling myself out of this hole. And she actually sort of semi-came out of sabbatical, and I had a session with her, and it was really, really helpful. I'm curious as to if you have an idea of what might have supported you more in that moment. And it's hard. It just seems so inevitable that of course everybody would just, just forget everything, want to go back to their regular lives. In the midst of it all, I did have some stuff going on with my house, and, and there was one friend, and it was, the, it was actually the friend whose tomatoes I roasted. She came over and helped me move some furniture. And my grief companion that I talked to said something to me, because I had not admitted to really to anybody what a hard time I was having. And she said, you know, when you don't tell people things like this, you've deprived them of an opportunity to feel needed. And I'm still chewing on that 
because it's so hard to need people. It's so edgy for me. But I know I have to go there because, <laughs> hello, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I'm going to need some help at some point. As a counterpoint to feelings of exclusion, I'm curious to know if you've ever had a sort of marking moment as um, a member of an Upper Valley community where you really felt valued. It's funny. I don't even remember what what was going on. I just remember being in a friend's kitchen and somebody was coming home from some vacation. We were making signs saying, welcome home. And there were a bunch of us there and I just felt great. I felt beloved. What do you think we could do in our community to encourage more inclusion? It's such a big question, and it's so important. It's so big that it's really intimidating. Maybe part of it is to, to get really small and to just practice. Like sometimes when I go to the supermarket, I'll practice softening the corners of my eyes at everybody. I like to think it makes a little bit of a difference. If you can even have one moment in a supermarket and maybe even them noticing that they've been seen. But that's, some days that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in today to our guest for sharing your experience of inclusion and exclusion in the Upper Valley and in the universe. If anyone out there would like to lend your voice and your experiences to this podcast, please contact myself, Michelle, at misharogi, M-I-S-H-A-R-O-G-G-E, at yahoo.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to CATV Podcasts. If you found this episode interesting and would like to find more Upper Valley content at CATV, please visit our website at catv8.org. That is C-A-T-V, the number eight, dot org. You can find all of our podcasts under the Listen section on our homepage.